This is I Am Change podcast. The IIC podcast hopes to inspire you to live more consciously and be the change the society needs. I'm your host, Koride Aziz. Normally, the entertainment sector will be safe in a recession, but with the COVID-19 outbreak, it's a different story. Medical professionals are not agreed on whether COVID-19 will return once infection rates initially go down, but it is possible that the virus could return seasonally. This could mean we might be in for a roller coaster ride, possibly for years to come. The film business is such that the production process requires significant human contact. What do you think happened to ongoing Nollywood productions when the lockdowns were announced? I had a chat with filmmaker Imo Umoren. My name is Imo Umoren. I'm a film director and also a writer. I'm five foot six inches. I'm still growing, even though people think that I'm too old to grow, but that's their business. <laughs> and um, I, I love watching football also. I like watching television a lot. Mm. And I'm currently stuck at home like everybody else. Yeah, like me too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when this whole COVID-19 thing started, we started hearing about it in China, US, UK and all that. What was going on in your mind at that time? Um, I was right in the middle of filming my new series, Channel 77. So when it started out, I was keeping an eye out for it because we have a lot of influx of foreigners in our country, especially <laughs> from that region, from China and from Asia. I knew that somehow we we're going to get it. So as soon as we had the first case, I shut down production, shut down our studios, and we just uh, discontinued production because I, I didn't want to put people at risk. Did you finish up all the, um, what do you call now, the scenes you wanted to shoot and all that? No, 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 not at all. We're right in the middle of it. The truth is that as much as um, I've invested heavily in my, in my new series, still people have to, to stay alive. It's, it's easier to continue filming than it is to resurrect a, a, a dead person. So... So um, do you agree that other filmmakers were probably affected in the same way, probably had to shoot, um, shut down production sets as well? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people that we're all, a lot of us were all in, in talks together. So everybody were keeping an eye on everybody. Occasionally someone will call like, oh, are you still filming? Or what, what is your plan? So when I said I was shutting down, a lot of my friends also kind of just shut down theirs as well. Because some people were lucky that they finished time. Uh, especially people that were making feature films, they, they had finished, but, but since we were shooting a series, couldn't have finished ours that, that quickly. Others were caught up in the middle, but lots of people just shut down productions generally. Mm. All right. So I know there are lots of people that are involved with productions. I mean, you have the producers, you have the crew members, and a lot of these people work on a freelance basis. Now, I'm thinking we don't know how long this thing is going to last. If it goes on for months on end, who do you think is going to be the most hard hit? I think um, mm. the producers are going to be most hit and the investors. I mean, everybody's going to be hit anyway because the revenue is you're losing revenue. Actors are going to be hit as well because they're not going to find work. Especially people, actors that rely, you know, 100% on revenue from films to, to make money. Producers and directors can probably earn some money off their old titles. See, writers can still be writing because right now we're still writing. Editors mm-hmm. are still editing. We don't know how far the risk, the exposure is going to be when this thing is shut down. Because one of the things we're speaking about was the kind of stories we now have to tell. 
you can't tell sto stories where people are, you know, intimate and kissing and making out and all physical contact, except people are tested properly and then they're allowed onto the sets. Another modality is to make sure that when everybody is tested properly, everybody is in one spot. They don't go to any other place until you finish filming and then everybody leaves that spot. And so that now becomes a bit of a problem because if you're shooting a multi-location story, what 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 environment are you going? Is it a controlled environment? Is it a public space? Will you be at risk of of the virus? So even the kind of stories we tell down, we have to now start adapting to our new reality. So we so everybody's going to be hit by it. To be honest. Hold up. So the film and TV industry is certainly not having a good time. But can you guess who might not be too affected by the restrictions? Well, game publishers can continue to develop games with work from home workers. There's also our beloved social media talent, and of course, podcasts like IAC Podcast. Okay, back to my discussion with Imo. All right, so now that you're talking about adjusting to a new reality, it sounds like um, you're talking about possibly going back into production, maybe even before this is um, this whole thing blows over. I was reading this um, article on Variety about a document that has been going around in Hollywood about a possible plan of what could happen if production starts soon. They don't know when, obviously, but they are talking about things like having quarantine supervisors, isolation, using much fewer people, um, no day players and all that. Do you think we could come up with a similar plan here? Mm -hmm. Because again, we don't know how long this thing is going to go on for. Because the idea is to start mm -hmm. thinking about um, how soon production people can get back to work. Do you think we could come up with a similar plan? We have to come up with a similar plan because the truth is that I don't think this virus is going anytime soon. I think we have, we will be living with this virus. I, I'm assuming that by June, July, August, production should, you know, businesses should start opening up and people should start going back to work. That's what I'm assuming. Um, and, and because of that, what will happen is that we have to find a modality to live with the virus. The virus will always be there, I think. We cannot shut down our economy indefinitely, especially for a poor country like us. Mm -hmm. We can't say oh, we're going to shut down indefinitely. We just have to get to a point where it is safe to go out. All right. I'm thinking about people who had planned releases for this year, maybe early this year for the cinema and all that. Of course, people are not going to the cinemas right now. So I, yeah. I'm, what do you think might happen You know, when cinemas eventually open? Because, of course, there had been an entire plan for producers before this thing hits. Right, right now, to be honest, the model is the VODs and the Netflix way. That's the whole truth, whether we like it or not. Even before the virus came about, the death of cinema was already predicted. This is, virus is just coming to enhance or to hasten the death of cinema. But the truth is that people now have to adjust to a new reality is that more people want to watch things on their mobile phones and their computers. Because it, well, if you're planning a release in the cinema, nobody's going to come and watch it. And I'm mm -hmm. coming to the cinema to watch no film, you know, because nobody wants to put themselves at risk. And it's not just whether the whether we defeat the virus or not, the trauma will still be there. People will still be traumatized by that experience. So which means that a fraction of the cinema goers are going to not go to the cinemas. Which means that if you're making 50 million before from your earnings, you're back to you earning 20 million naira. Now, so you now have to adjust to that reality. The best way would be to license your, your films with VODs, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Eurocode TV, you know, all those apps. The death of cinema. Even before the lockdown, cinemas had started losing revenue 
because people were discouraged from gathering in general spaces. Information released by the Cinema Exhibitors Association of Nigeria showed that between January 17 to 19, 2020, Nigerian cinemas grossed 75.9 million naira. From then on, it started going downhill. By the first weekend of February, the figure dropped to 60.1 million naira. Fast forward to the second weekend in March, the figure had dropped even further to 45.2 million naira. Shortly after, the government put the lockdowns in place, forcing the cinemas to shut down entirely. Think about the plight of Nollywood distributors who had movie premieres scheduled but had to cancel with no patronage and no profit. MIDIA believes one of the unintended consequences of the COVID-19 crisis may be a creative renaissance. As they put it, in the history of artistic output, adversity often results in the most powerful creativity. I wanted to know what Imo thought about this. Do you think we could see some sort of surge in creativity, you know, when this is over, you know, with the kind of ideas that people are bringing up out and all that, since people will have more time to read and all that? I don't know. I don't think there'll be a surge in creativity. There'll still be work films and work productions. Now. There's nothing, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. will you take, will you take, uh, Lepo cannot change the skin now. You can only mm. give what you know. You know, there has to be a desire for, for filmmakers to want to improve their art form. But mm. I think we, we live in a country where we celebrate our, our successes too much. So you have a little bit of success and everybody, you've arrived. And everybody kind of slacks and sort of feels like you can't be criticized. And I remember one time people were criticizing me last year for my film. And then uh, my response to, to the Have Macaulay Affair. And mm. then somebody criticized me, criticized me. And I said, I just replied to him on Twitter. I said, I'm sorry that, you know, I let you down and we'll improve. And how everybody were surprised, we were jumping like, well, oh my God, you have me tell I'm like, bro, you know what it is. If I make a film and the audience does not like it, you know, that means there's something I have to improve on in my technique. Sometimes it's unfair criticism and obviously you can, you can defend yourself and tell you it's not that bad the way you put it. Mm. But sometimes the criticism is, is, is fair. So what you need to do is just take that correction or take what the feedback and you go and put back in your art form and, and try and improve on your next release. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, you know, sometimes people people make a work film here and, and everybody helps you or your film makes some money in the cinema and, and suddenly you feel you're God. But you're not God. That mm. film's horrible. <laughs> you know, so we're still going to see work films. We're still going to see good films. Um, so it makes no difference. Our problem is not that we, we don't make good films. It's just that the good films don't get as much traction as the other ones because there's a lot of politicizing going on, clicking mm-hmm. and everything and all that. And but what this will do for us is that once it breaks the monopoly of distribution so that people can have access to films, then the cream will rise to, to the top because now people will be able to see for themselves. Because the thing is that cinema distribution stifles a lot of good films. You know, and so you assume that the big films making all the noises are the the films, the only ones that you that are being made. But it's a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, like last year there was a brilliant film called Ford Republic. It was an amazing, amazing story, amazing cinematography, brilliant film. But it was killed in a, in a couple of weeks that it came out. I think it was probably two weeks or less or whatever. It was killed. But then you see a film, you know, that comes out, you know, and people say, "Oh, this room is everywhere." 
They should have made 100 million. They should have made 200 million. And at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The opportunities. So this uh, pandemic offers opportunities and also so the status quo will be maintained. But it also offers opportunities for people to see the aftermath will offer opportunities for new production. So I'm curious right now about what exactly it is that you're watching because mm-hmm. uh, and reading because you mentioned classic films. Personally, I like to watch um, silent mm-hmm. films once in a while from everywhere, French, German, Czech, whatever it is. So if you have any recommendations, oh, yeah. I'll be happy to yeah. have them. Oh, okay. I mean, the, the, I made one myself called Hard Times, uh, which we won the MVC for. The different silent films that you can watch. I mean, there was the whole um who's the funny guy that always kept running? Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin has a lot of those um those ones. And there's the whole French uh whole movement of French films the that French you can wave. watch if, if yeah, French waves. I mean the one of my favorite ones is The Cabbage Fairy, A Trip to the Moon. That's the kind of films I like to make. I like film noir, silent, black and white. That's my my type mm-hmm. of films. And so I'm gonna make, I I make a black and white too. film. <laughs> I'm making a black and white film this year. So mm-hmm. hopefully after the COVID, I'll make it. Oh, that'll be really I'll be looking forward to that, seeing that. <laughs> We're currently writing it now. Oh, awesome. All right. So um what do you recommend filmmakers read right now? I, I mean is to read white. Reading, studying about making films is good for beginners. But once you've made a couple of films, the next thing is to read widely. Because I tell you, the, the problem that we have, and I've noticed, is that we, it's a monkey-see-monkey-do sort of business. We replicate emotions the way we've seen it being performed before. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the standard reaction to an event. But that's not how all humans react to the same event. If you walk in to see your lover cheating on you, not everybody breaks down and starts crying immediately. Some people are shocked and they stand there for a bit before they react. Some people will probably walk out of the room and continue their life and pretend that they didn't see anything <laughs> until later break down later. So human human behavior is a key thing that people can study at this point as well. History also offers you a lot of spectacular personalities that went through a hero's journey and overcame conflict. And history offers you complications in characters. And you can see some of these characters were multidimensional. Some were in love with their sisters and some killed people and some were good guys that did something, you know, bad. Because I'm not going to lie to you, a lot of times our personalities, our, our characters are too one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So the good guy is a good guy. The bad guy is a bad guy. You know. And in real life, people are complicated. Wondering. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, one of my favorite characters in recent time has been um, the villain. Um, Which one? Which the one? Avengers. X, um, Thanos. X, uh, Avengers. Thanos, yeah. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. Thanos is a complicated villain who is convinced that his way is for the good of all mankind. And you can oh. see that he's, he looks at himself as a, as a good guy. And that's, that makes him a very interesting character. You almost feel sympathy for him because he looks at you like he's trying to help you and you are not appreciating what he's trying to do. I mean, you watch films like Inception or Interstellar. The people that wrote it were not just straight up 
the pool that probably have a lot of knowledge about science and read a lot about science, about physics, about astro, astrology, astronomy, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that makes them knowledgeable because, you know, by the time that story is written, the depth alone of those stories is just mind-boggling. So as, as filmmakers, we have to read a lot of things. Mm. All right. This has been a really fun interview, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, no problem. In Hollywood, blockbusters like Mission Impossible 7, I'm Jumping out a window! Fast and Furious 9. I will always be in your heart. And Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Before I was an Avenger. Had to stop production and film festivals have postponed or been cancelled. Meanwhile, in China, many variety shows have adopted new forms of program production called cloud production. This involves having one presenter broadcasting from a studio with participants joining the show from home. With the rise of new technologies such as 5G, big data, and cloud computing, could we see more TV programs adopting cloud production in the future? Just maybe. Let's step away from film and TV for a minute. The entertainment industry employs tens of thousands of people, and that's not limited to film and television alone. Mega events have been postponed or cancelled. Think Coachella, Glastonbury, the Afro Nation Festival. Before the virus broke out, David Doe had been touring North America, then he had to postpone. He'd sold out Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and San Francisco. As part of his African giant tour, Burner Boy was to perform in Namibia's capital city of Windeck, but he had to postpone. Asha also had to postpone her forthcoming European tour dates. Imo believes we'll be leaving with the virus for some time, a new reality. We need to come up with a plan that will allow us to continue to produce content while keeping ourselves safe from COVID-19. Such a plan might work, but one thing is certain. This is a catastrophe for entertainment, an industry believed to employ over a million people. We need to find ways to not just survive, but thrive. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share on the topic, we'd like to hear from you. Send us a message via Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, we are at IAC underscore podcast. And on Facebook, we are at I am change podcast. We are also I am change podcast on Instagram. Before I go, I'd like to share a quote I found recently. The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Can you guess who said that? Steve Jobs. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. We would love for you to rate and review IAC Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. That way, you'll be helping more people find us. Until the next episode, continue to be the change you want to see.